0: This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz.
1: Kia ora, you're listening to the locals on Free FM 89.0, called Dan Armstrong Tokowhingoa. Every community is different. If we look just down the road to Otorohanga, you don't just have the township there. You've got multiple rural settlements, and everything happening out on the coast. So to get an understanding of the Ōterahanga district, I thought I'd have a chat with the person who represents the place. So let's crack into it. This is the locals, and this is Ōterahanga Mayor Max Baxter.
0: Dan, I grew up at um, Takaba West, which is, um, the address is actually a Te Aumutu address, but it is inside the Otorahonga boundary, as you'd expect if I'm the mayor in <laughs> Um Myself and my whanau have been there for 102 years on the farm now. Um, I actually went to school here in Te Aumutu, um, but I do live closer to Otorahonga, and I'm obviously the mayor down there.
1: I feel like you're already trying to do a lot of work to justify being in Otorahonga, even though everyone knows you as being of Ōterahanga.
0: yeah, it's, I think the thing is when you grow up and your business is in Te Aumutu and your schooling was Te Aumutu, it um, took a couple of, certainly a few months, even a couple of years to get a true foothold in the, in the role and people to understand that I was there for them. And now um, halfway through my third term as the mayor of Ōterahanga, the difference walking up Maniapoto Street now um, to eight years ago or 11 years ago when I first came on council is significantly different.
1: Nice. Uh, so, once you had finished
0: uh, studying in Tao Mutu, what did you go on to do? Yeah, so I ended up as an um, AFS scholar to um, the United States in 1982-83, and I actually came back to Te Aumoto College briefly. Um, worked for a while on a dairy farm, went to Massey University, studied agriculture, came back to the farm for a year, went overseas for two years where I met my wife, um, came back and we've been farming full-time, of the Takawa West property since
1: 1989. Fantastic. So that's, what, 32-odd years. Pretty much. Uh, how have you seen the sector uh, shift over those decades?
0: Yeah, interesting. I think the weather sector has changed more than anything is through population growth and the demands of that growth on um, the local government sector. And if I think about um, you know, this the fact this interview is being held in Te Aumutu, um, when I was a young fella growing up here, the um, population of Te Aumutu was about 8,000, it's now over 16,000, so you can imagine the pressure on infrastructure um, and the expectations of the residents of um, Waipa, Otorahonga and all around New Zealand for that matter have increased exponentially.
1: Fantastic, and every part of me just wants to ask about infrastructure now, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll work towards it. Um, <laughs> Can you tell me, how did
0: you, get, how did you first get involved with the Otorahanga uh, District Council? Yeah, I suppose there's a couple of things. You know, I got approached by the um, Deputy Mayor back in um, 2010, asking if I was interested in standing for council. And we had a discussion and certainly aware of what uh, my own parents had given back to the community and the little bit I'd done, um, it was time for me to give something more back. Once I got involved and studied the Resource Management Act, um, believe it or not, I actually got quite excited about the prospects of what I could do. It sounds quite sad when you say it like that, but um, I saw a lot, lot of opportunity and probably identified myself as the potential mayor of Otorohonga and um, yeah, spent the next three years really understanding what the role entailed, um, watched what um, Dale Williams was doing at the time, and knowing that he was stepping down, um, I would like to argue it was a seamless transition into his shoes.
1: And can you give us a sense of the Ōtarahanga area in the early 2010s when you were sort of scoping out uh, this idea?
0: Yeah, I think probably if we go back earlier than the 2010s, Dan, I think um, for, if we go back to the, even the 1980s, um, probably Ōtarahanga was still in a real growth phase. It was a real small rural community. And I think what we've seen over the years, and this is going through from now back to you mentioning 2010, is a real maturing of the town. What is absolutely fantastic about Otoronga, the community and the district, is it is still a community. And we've seen that disappear in the rural sector, in the bigger towns as they've changed exponentially. And I say to people a lot of the time when we say, oh, we need growth, we need growth, I'll argue every time, just be um, careful what you ask for because you will lose what is so absolutely special about um, where we live.
1: That's 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 quite interesting to, for you to discuss uh, the maturing of the community mm-hmm. as well as uh, the, I suppose the complexity of growth. Um, while I had expected for us to talk <coughs> a lot longer about you as an individual before we crack into the council, um, you've sort of just barreled into it. And I, I had... <laughs> I admire that, um, and I suppose that's in part because you're about to head off to an LGNZ conference, <laughs> um, but backtracking a little bit, um, what are the things uh, as an individual that you actually enjoy when you're not thinking about the RMA? Um, you know, what do you do when you're being a human?
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, like I love playing golf, and I've found um, very, very little time for that in the last six months, um, so that's something I've got to get back in and um, just try and check out half a day somewhere um, reasonably regularly. Um, love going out with um, my wife, um, going out for dinner, um, yeah, hanging out at the coast, getting away from, I suppose, that um, constant interaction with people and just chilling. Uh, good when we can catch up with the kids, with friends. Um, absolutely love travel, In the past. Um, As you said, Dan, yes, I'm going to the LGNZ conference, but we'll take a week after that and do a roadie around the South Island, which I know it's going to be horribly cold, um, but I'm absolutely looking forward to it.
1: Fantastic. (laughs) And what's your golf handicap?
0: Um, I don't have one, and if I did, it would probably be in the mid teens, I suppose.
1: I know nothing about golf, (laughs) so I (laughs) will accept that answer. Thank you. Um, I'd really like to crack back into the council conversation. Uh, so uh, how would you summarise your well, eight years now uh, in the mayoralty?
0: Growth and maturity as much as anything. I think when you go in in that first term um, you are running blind. I remember going into the office on the first day and I sat down at my desk and asked myself the question, um, what's next? In fact I actually asked my EA what do I do now? So, yeah, the first, first term is really – and we talk about it in um, dealing in terms. The first term is understanding what the role is about. The second term is implementing some um, programs or change. The third term supposedly is um, reaping the benefits of what you've done over the uh, first two terms. Yeah, I think it's longer than that, and the complexity of local government has increased um, to a point that we wouldn't have understood If we go back a few years, we're confronted at the moment with um, Three Waters reforms, local government reforms, um, Resource Management Act reforms, health reforms. So taking all of this on board, it would be quite a daunting task coming into the role now as a new mayor and trying to face and understand all of those changes. It's hard enough just to understand one of those um, topics by themselves, let alone put them all together and dealing with change. So yeah, there's been huge changes over the last few years, um, but I think rather than dwelling on the negative of those changes, we've got to look at what positives can be gained out of them.
1: And it's quite good timing that we mention Three Waters uh, because just the other day on RNZ you were effectively put up as a uh, you were put up as a pinup boy um, for what an ideal. Uh, local government, central government relationship on Three Waters would look
0: like. Can you tell me about that relationship that you've been experiencing? Yeah, it's probably outside of the Three Waters, Dan. It's probably more the work I've been doing with Mayor's Task Force for Jobs. And when, um, during COVID, myself and Noah Woolhoff, who's my Task Force Coordinator in Wellington, we discussed um, how we could um, assist MSD in getting young people um, um, displaced by COVID into employment. So that conversation began with MSD and Mayor's Task Force for Jobs um, with the rural councils. That's the 23 councils with a population of less than 20,000, have worked together to um, engage with our rangatahi and getting them to employment across the, region, um, the rural councils, and it's been a wonderful relationship. And it shows that if we do um, walk alongside, talk to... Um, And collaborate with central government, the work can be done. And look, we're talking about the Three Waters reforms, but coinciding with that is the local government reforms, and it is about working closer with um, central government and the delivery of the four well-beings to our communities. In terms of the Three Waters reform, um, there's still way too many unanswered questions there for me to be totally satisfied with it being the right direction we should be taking. I believe if resources have been supplied to Um, local government earlier, then we wouldn't be asking ourselves this question about um, water quality or infrastructure quality around New Zealand. Rates alone is not enough to look after the infrastructure underground when we look at the population growth across the country.
1: Uh, We're going to take a little break just as that car uh, makes noises, Um, but this is a good chance for me to ask you uh, what sort of three to four minute song would you like to be played uh, in the
0: interim three to four minute song because it's my wife's favorite song i probably have to go guns and roses patience okay
1: you're listening to the locals on free fm 89.0
2: woman, take it slow and work itself out fine. All we need is just a little patience. That sugar, make it strong, and we'll come together fine. All we need is just a little. On the stairs Cause I'd rather be alone if I can't have you right now I'll wait here. Sometimes I get so tense But I can't speed up the time But you know love There's one more thing to consider Woman, take it slow things with you just fine You and I'll just use a little patience Since you gotta take the time Cause the lights are shining bright You and I've got what it takes to make we won't fake it, I'll never break it, cause I can't take it.
1: is part two of my conversation with Otorahanga Mayor, Max Baxter. How do you
0: perceive the state
1: of Otorahanga District today?
0: Awesome. Um, really strong. And it's, I think what's made um, Otorahanga really strong is just the generosity um, and the passion shown by the people in the community. And we can go and we can look at the um, development of the playground. We can look at um, the dementia unit at BT Home. We can look at the medical centre. Uh, we can look at our employment hub, we can look at our um, economic development officer, all these things that are really, those first few things, the playground, the medical centre, BD Home development, all that's come about through public generosity, about a community sticking up its hand and saying, hey, we want something positive to happen here. Council has got a um, core task that it needs to perform, Obviously, that is going to change somewhat with the um, local government reform, but for a community and a district to get ahead, people have got to stand up and say, hey, let's get alongside each other and do something positive. And once one person puts their hand up and another person joins them, and then others can see um, the absolutely fantastic impact that has on a community and so many people have got on board, it's it's really um, very humbling.
1: And you can't see it because this is an audio platform listener, uh, but uh, as Max describes this, he has a, a rather large grin on his face. You know, it's sort of, you have the, the, the face of a chuffed dad. Um,
0: <coughs>
1: yeah, it's, 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 it's actually
0: quite adorable. Um, yeah. No, thanks, Dan. I, and I think when um, somebody goes through town and um, they say, oh my gosh, the town looks really um, cared for, it looks like it's looked after, um, it's vibrant... And we know that um, our small communities across the country have taken real hiding through COVID, and they take a little while to get back. Look, we've got a couple more vacant stores, um, but I certainly know that as we go through this big transition period and the world changes, that um, those stores will fill up again and um, we'll be good to go, because there is a vibrancy and there's a real um, positivity in the community and district, which is great to see.
1: And the Ōterahanga district is more than just uh, the the community of Ōterahanga. You're out to the coast as well. Can you tell me what's the state of the rest of your area?
0: Really good. I mean, we've known, and we argue this quite a bit, um, I suppose I had a bit of a dig at um, Mayor Goff the other day when Auckland was talking about whether they'd pull out of the Three Waters (laughs) reform or not. And I said, look, all councils need to be on board for this to work. And let's just keep on, uh, be very mindful of what has kept the economy throat, um, economy afloat um, during the COVID area as primary industry. And primary industry has led through rural and provincial New Zealand. So the big cities can't forget us because we are the backbone of New Zealand still, regardless of what um, our city folk may think. So in terms of our district, yeah, from um, Arahina on the east to Kafir on the west and Aotea, yeah, really, really positive. Um, kafia, I mean it's always that dilemma Do we keep this beautiful little um, sleepy seaside town Or others want to go in there and populate the place and, and change it I mean there's arguments for both But I think it's still an absolutely special um, gem in our community and our district Actually the whole place is I mean you just drive around the Otapahonga district And you have to be pretty happy with where we live And where do you sit on
1: the debate about the future of Kawhia?
0: That's not for me to say, Dan. I don't live well, here. Well, you're the mayor. Yeah, I'm there. I just, again, we want the vibrancy. Um, you want people to be positive, working side by side with each other. Um, again, it probably goes back to the growth argument with um, um, Otorahonga as well. When you have organic growth, it is way easier to handle and um, everybody comes on board.
1: Uh, and uh, when I interviewed uh, Mayor Robertson, Uh, A few weeks ago, I asked about coastal erosion um, out towards Moko uh, and that area, not just with climate change but with just the overall erosion happening. Uh, What's the state uh, around Kawhia and out that way?
0: Yeah, I mean obviously um, Aotea is protected by its seawall and that's something we'll obviously always have to be incredibly mindful of. Um, Kawhia, you do have an element of protection because you are in a harbour, but yeah, we have to be mindful of sea level rises, which is why in Year 4 of our long-term plan we've talked about a reticulated sewer system for Kafia. I appreciate that it's unaffordable for the community, and maybe these um, three waters reforms will mean there will be some central government um, funding to go into um, that, that particular system. The reason why that's so important is because as sea levels rise, septic tanks become more and more vulnerable, and it is so incredibly important that we look after um, harbour, which is so precious, Um, to ourselves and to iwi
1: and out of curiosity there's all sorts of things always happening at the council table just for every council there's been a few incidents this year first one comes to the sinking lid uh with the pokies can you give us an idea why would the why would the majority of the councillors vote to remove the sinking lid
0: yeah, I think that's an interesting one. Um, I think they voted to test the waters as opposed to um, remove the sinking lid policy. So they probably... I've got to be a bit careful here. Um, I think it was a real a learning curve for a number of councillors to listen to and understand what the community really felt about um, poking machines and the damage it has done to um, you know, families and individuals in our community. I think my words were at the time when they were talking about this, because as you're fully aware, Dan, I voted against um, going out for public consultation on this because I was a big supporter of the sinking lid, he always said, be careful what you ask for. And I think what was very pleasing for me was the community sticking its hands in the air and going, hey, no, 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 no. We retain what we have. Yes, I think, again, council is just asking the question um, and then understanding what the community feels. That's democracy.
1: Uh, I think Otterahanga was one of the first councils in the region, I suppose. Well, it's more King Country than Waikato,
0: but in this general area, that voted to include multi wards. Yeah, so we were definitely um, one of the very few councils, and I think the first um, for the next local government elections to go um, to adopt multi wards without going up for public consultation. Now, the reason why you go out for consultation is to consult with those who are affected by decisions that are made by council. Now, the only people that could be affected either way negatively or positively would be Māori themselves, um, and we'd had a clear mandate from um, our different iwi groups and leadership groups that they were um, in favour of having Māori wards within our district. So now we're just going through the conversations about how that looks, how it works, and um, Yes. So, yeah, very proud of our councillors to make their decision as they did. And it certainly led the way for other councils to stand up and, one would argue, be brave.
1: Yeah. And how do you reflect
0: on your relationship with Maniapoto portal and local uh, hapū? Yeah, that's an interesting question as well because there's a few, few things we have to do um, which um, are part of legislation. One of that is paying regard to um, the Treaty of Waitangi. And that there comes both with the central government relationship and our relationship with central government and, um, and the treaty. So when we opened our chambers um, after they had some renovation work done, part of my speech at that point there was you could have Māori wards, you could have a relationship with iwi, but it's no good unless it's done on trust. So for the last seven or eight years, one would argue that it's been going through that journey of developing the trust. Um, we've got there now, and as we know with any relationship and any partnership, when you've got that sort of um, background history and understanding of each other, then you can work together very, very well. Um, without it, it just becomes a challenge.
1: And I know we're sort of thinking about the future at this point, and you know, anything could happen, uh, but uh, what do you think the eventual uh, aport or Treaty Settlement will do for your area, for the Aoteurahanga and broader area?
0: Look, I think it can only be um, absolutely positive for Maniapoto, and it um, positive for um, the rangatahi within our district so we can um, make sure that everybody is well looked after. Within our district and community, everybody is well housed, everybody is warm, everybody is fed, everybody is well educated. So when we can have that sort of strength, as we know, you're... you're Weakest link. Um, uh, so I'll start again. <laughs> Something is only good as this, um, is only as strong as its weakest link. So if we've got everybody um, looked after um, within our district, then we can only be stronger.
1: Fantastic. And at the end of my sort of profile episodes and interviews, I run some little quick questions, mm-hmm. uh, just to no, nothing sort of uh, slanderous or or okay. yeah. Go for it Dan Okie <laughs> uh, it's The last thing that you ate Scrabbled eggs yep. If you hadn't have gotten into local government What would you have done in the last what 12 years
0: <laughs> Yeah that's a, that's a good question um, I don't think it would have been farming Injury has stopped me from carrying on on that journey Um, I think there would be promotion or sales in some regard. Um, We'll have to explore that at this point. Possibly a bit more study, actually, Um, because I think that, for me, whatever the next stage is, um, that would have to be beneficial.
1: What area would you like to study or think about studying?
0: Uh, I don't want to um, open the next question. I'd rather keep some of those to myself at the moment.
1: I really didn't know that was going to be the one to catch Um,
0: you. What inspires you? What inspires me? Um, the challenge, and I think of you know, not so long ago, in fact, two months ago, I did um, a marathon on crutches and a half marathon on crutches, and I knew that um, the shoulders would take a bit of a hiding, and, and they did. And what I do realise, um, and I've realised a few times in my life now, my mind is stronger than my body. Um, so, you know, I think the challenge um, when you're put in a corner at times, and you have to fight your way out of it. Yeah. What was the last thing that made you laugh? last thing made me laugh oh, I was looking at it <laughs> really laugh as um, my wife and I were in a bottle store and I thought about um, my dad it was a bottle of red wine and it was called um, the old bastard and I thought how appropriate it would be um, for getting that for his birthday and we both laughed quite a bit about that to the point where other people in the bottle store recognized my wife's laugh and came and said hello to us.
1: That's something that can only happen in a a small rural (laughs) community, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, What was the last thing that made you cry?
0: No, it got me on that one. It would have been a movie because I do cry in movies now. But as to what movie it was, I'm not so sure.
1: Okay. It wasn't like Marley and me in the last 10 minutes or something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you have a piece of advice for your younger self?
0: Um, I think follow your dream and I think the door's always open but you, and you've got to look for that door. Um, it's not going to come to you so yeah, you have to keep on pursuing opportunity. Um, yeah. Keep looking.
1: Thanks Max. It was good to have a chat with you. And if you need any more information on the Otorahanga District Council you can call them on 07 873 400 or head to Oto DC. Dot .govt.nz That wraps up another show. You can find this and other episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, just search The Locals, and I'll pop those links up on the Dan Armstrong Y Parking Country Facebook page. As always, we'll be back next Monday, but until next time, thanks for listening, cheers, haere ra.